So what do you guys normally do for your long runs? And he said, well, you know, usually Saturday or Sunday we'll run between 15 and 19 until it gets to be marathon season. And then we just run events every month. Dizwins Radio episode 1064 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, one of the uh, things that I do around these parts, you may have heard me mention this before, is give away a free training plan each month to uh, the race of your choice. You can you can sit on it, you can sit on it and hold it and wait, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve months until you find a race you want to train for. You can be like, Dagum, I'm about to start training for a race right now. Let's go, cash it in. You can also even use it if you just want some guidance, kind of getting maybe getting back on track. If you've been struggling a little bit, coming back from an injury, whatever the case might be, I'll work with you for 16 weeks. But one way or the other, it's a free custom coaching 16 weeks thing. No strings attached, no purchase required. All you got to do is uh, enter the giveaway and you've got a chance to win it. And I pick one of those winners at the beginning of each new month. So as this episode comes out kind of mid-month, get yourself in it now so you don't forget about it. And then, uh, you know, at the end of this month, the end of June, or, uh, sorry, end of July, what month are we in even? I don't even know. The end of July, 1st of August, I'll pick a new winner. You've got a chance to win it. And then once you're in it once, you're in it each and every month. Potential side benefit of getting your name in the hat to potentially win a uh, free training plan is that you also get my emails. Lucky you. Lucky you. But actually, I like to think my emails are, are somewhat useful at least mildly entertaining, probably not much more than mildly entertaining, but occasionally mildly entertaining. Occasionally something useful gets uh, mentioned. And uh, today's guest actually gave a little shout out to the email. So maybe just maybe they might be worth reading whether or not you ever win the, uh, the free training plan. But if you're going to read the emails, you might as well have a chance to win a free training plan, right? Dizruns.com slash giveaway is the link to do so. You can also enter right there on the homepage at Dizruns.com. And there are other ways to get, you know, get your name in the email list, but Get your name in the giveaway list. That's the list that really matters. Dizruns.com slash giveaway. And uh, now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, today's guest is uh, someone that I, I really am uh, super excited to talk to. And I, I say that almost almost regret to say that because it makes it sound like I'm not excited to talk to everybody. And I, I'm always excited to talk to uh, anybody that, that gives me their time to, to join on the podcast but I'm excited for today because today's guest is somebody who maybe low-key I kind of, you know, want to be like when I grow up. Uh, he's, he's currently, as we're recording this, approaching his 70th birthday with a goal of finishing his 100th marathon or longer run before he uh, transitions into that new age group, that 70 to 74 age group. And as we're recording, he's only got a handful of runs left to do with, I think, five or six months still to get there. So plenty of time. And uh, once he gets to 100, who knows? But uh, I have a hunch that uh, he's not going to be slowing down or at least not giving up this active lifestyle that he loves so much anytime soon. So I'm excited to, to kick, the, kick the conversation off and get this episode officially started by welcoming Mr. Lauren Thomas to the show. So thanks for joining us today, Lauren. Really appreciate it. 
Hey, thank you very much, Denny. It's uh, really a pleasure, and I love talking about running and other sorts of things. Oh, fantastic. And then we will have uh, no shortage, I'm sure, no shortage of things to talk about today. And, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode and you would like to, to connect with Lauren, uh, you can find him on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Those are kind of his social media platforms of choice. And if you know anything about direct links on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's, it's a little bit ugly, uh, but we will have them linked up in the show notes. You can obviously search his name and try to find him, although there might be, there might be a few, a few that, other ones that pop up. Uh, but disruns.com slash 1064 is the link back to the show notes for today. And again, we'll have the links of, you know, all the, the slashes and the numbers and the this and the that's that, that are incorporated with those links on both Facebook and LinkedIn at disruns.com slash 1064. So, Lauren, the way we always uh, start off each episode of the show is with a, a pretty simple and straightforward question that uh, has a tendency of providing multiple lanes in which to uh, continue down once we kind of get through the first question. And it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Oh, that's a great question. And I, that I have a definitive answer to, and that is 50 kilometers. Okay. Um, it didn't used to be. Uh, when I started running in my 30s, I really was like a five-miler. And I started running before there were 5Ks and 10Ks, mm. so it's five miles. Loved it. Began to love the middle distance, the 10K to half marathon. But once I got hooked on marathoning, ran that for a number of years, then I discovered trail running, probably about the year 2000, moved into the 50K distance. The reason I like it, reasons I like it are, first of all, no one cares about time. You, know, you get in the mountains and you can run a five hour 50K or a 10 hour 50K with the same amount of effort, depending on the mountains, the terrain, the whatever, the jungle, the hills, the climbing, the weather. So, so time sort of fades from importance. And I also love it because I love spending time outside. And so for me, a mountain or a desert or a jungle 50K is a way of spending a whole day doing something I love to do, typically with people that I like, uh, in places that are beautiful. And it sort of feeds my soul while I'm running. And then the other reason I like it is that the food in 50Ks is real food. Like, you know, right. in a marathon, you try, you try to gag down a gel running on a city street. In a 50K, you stop and eat a grilled cheese sandwich or a slice of pizza. And so to me, it's just it takes the pressure of off and it, it makes it just a fun, nurturing, spiritually fulfilling experience. Another thing is that. After a road marathon, I need. I used to, when I used to race them, train and race them, I'd have to take five or six days off. Mm. After a mountain 50K, I take a day off and go jogging second or third day because you don't hurt as much. You, your legs aren't doing exactly the same thing mm -hmm. for three or four or five hours. They're moving around and stepping up and skipping. So hands down, for me, it's the off-road, jungle, mountain, wilderness, backcountry 50K. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I haven't run a lot of of 50ks. I, I think I think my official total is like three or four. Um, but for all the reasons you said, I can get behind a good 50k. Like it's just, yeah. it's just a, a really good distance where, like you said, fast, slow doesn't really like no one cares. Um, and and it's really not even relative one race to the next because the conditions are so much different, the terrain is so much different that you just you go out and run that course that day and you know however it shakes out is however it shakes out that's right that's right and sometimes sometimes the courses are so challenging that it's almost like an adult version of cross country you know like <laughs> i had did one in nicaragua where the 26 mile aid station was in at the lake of a de defunct volcano 
So you're running along this jungle trail with like flagging, kind of sort of showing you the way. Had to climb with hands and feet a basalt column, climb down to the lake for the 26 mile age station, and then climb out. Mm. Like, where do you get to do that? You know, when when in your life have you climbed up the salt column? So, yeah, it's just fun. I, I'm really for me, it's all about the fun. Yeah, which sure. which I'm going to interrupt myself and thank you for the newsletter last week that you sent out. Mm. Uh, you sent out the newsletter about like sometimes you just don't do it when you don't feel it. You don't do it. So I was actually uh, registered for my 96th ultra last Saturday, and it was a miserable, raining, cold day. For me, miserable. 48 degrees, cold rain, muddy trail, wind. And I thought, you know, I just got permission to decide I don't want to do this today. <laughs> so, so I want to have fun, you know. And so I just decided I have nothing to prove to anybody. And if I decide not to inflict misery on myself last Saturday, I'll do one this week or next week. So thank you for that. Oh, well, you're, you're quite welcome. And it's, it's always nice to know that every once in a while, something that I, that I say uh, kind of hits, hits the right mark. Because Lord knows when I hit the wrong mark, which happens every once in a while as well, I, I hear about those. But it's, it's good to hear that, that hitting the right mark uh, with, with the right message at the right time came through. And, and yeah, ultimately, uh, I like to think that no matter our goals, no matter our ambitions in the sport, no matter our paces or distances, whatever, um, fun should, should hopefully always be the priority. And yeah, when it's, when it's miserable outside and you know, it's not going to be fun from the get go. Like, I mean, I don't know, I guess you can brag about being tough and grinding it out and sucking it up during the cold rain, but like, yeah, that doesn't sound fun to me either. So if you can, you know, postpone it a week when the weather's better, like that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Yep. And, you know, I've done that. I've toughed it out. I've run in rain and snow and, and desert. I mean, it's, yeah, of course you do. And it feels good. Mm. And you feel good. And so I had this, like, this conflict, this internal conflict about kind of being proud of myself for making a good, a good decision to have a good time. And at the other hand, feeling like a total failure in life, like a complete weenie because I, I didn't do it. But that's okay. You know, like right now I'm sort of opting for um, enjoying my events. I want my fun to be fun, yeah. not as hard as it used to be. And it used to be. Right. And it's okay. Anyway. And hard can be fun if yeah. you if you if that's what you're looking for. But sometimes that's not what you're looking for. And if that's the case, call the audible, move on. No no harm, no foul. I like it. So, uh, so. Lauren, you, you mentioned that you kind of got started in in running uh, in your 30s, which we can do the math on that. You know, it's 30 something odd years ago. But what uh, what got you start? Like, what was the impetus to get started in running back back in the, at that time in your life? Great. So yes. I get asked that a lot. So I was a gymnast through high school. I was a pretty good gymnast, like a regional county champion gymnast. And then I went to college where they didn't have gymnastics. So I switched into wrestling. So I wrestled for a few years in college. And then, you know, I got out and I didn't, you don't do those sports as, you know, adults. They're just not part of what adults do. And somewhere in my 30s, I realized I'm gaining a little weight, not feeling really good. And so I just decided to go out for a jog. And actually, I did not even have sneakers. So I started jogging at 33 in my former college soccer spikes. Oh, wow. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> and I wonder why my back hurt, you know. So I, I, I would jog to the high school track where I lived and jog a mile and jog home. And then about a year and a half later, I was going through some life transitions, um, including uh, a divorce and becoming a single parent, having three kids live with me. And I thought, I got to do something you know, to feed me. And so I, I took up running and started out by running on the boardwalk at the Jersey Shore. And after about a year, did my first race, a five-mile beach run at sunset. 
and it just became a place where I went to to um, sort of work out my emotional stuff. Like all the, all these sort of chemicals and, and hormones that come up when you're working through stress, to me, for the last 40 years almost, it's really helped to do that kind of inner work while moving. It kind of burns off the stress while you do it. And so I started that way, and then it became the health benefits, and it became the social benefits. And so that, and I'll use the word addiction because um, none other, you know, really fairly well-known psychologist has written about positive addictions and mentions distance running and meditation as things that become addictive that have positive benefits for self and integration and social integration. So I would say that addiction to running grew because it was a positive feedback loop, physical, emotional, uh, friends, social. And so that grew. And then, then it just kind of started to happen. It became what I did every day. And then two years later, I decided to try a marathon. And that's something I did every year. And 20 years later, marathons became just part of life. (laughs) It's crazy how that happens. But, but, you know, I, I kind of feel like that's, I don't want to say it's not a unique story because of course every story is unique, but like that's how running can happen for folks you get into it for one reason or another and you start to realize that you enjoy it. There's social connections. There's, there's, like you said, there's some of the mental health benefits clear in your mind, burning the stress, all of the, all the things that we all know and love about it. And then, you know, maybe, maybe it's sometimes something you figure out on your own, or maybe there's a little bit of that peer pressure that goes, that's involved with it. Like, yeah, let's try a half marathon. Let's try a marathon. Let's try, you know, whatever, 50 K or, or beyond. Um, and, and it just kind of builds upon itself. And then you look back eight years, 10 years, 20 years, 37 years, whatever it is. And you go, well, gum, like, you know, here, we, we got, here we are, here we are. Yeah. And that's, and that's how it, how it all came about. Um, yeah. you know, in, in, in those, yeah in the before times, you know, when you were, when you were running in those, those early days, which I say before times, like, like before, um, you know, some of the, the more popular running booms when it was, when, I don't know. I mean, what was, what was running like 30 years ago, 30, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, like, like, uh, you know, so many of us that got started somewhere in the last, you know, eight, 10, 12 years, like we kind of only know what running has been like more recently when it's fairly popular, lots of options, lots of races, things like that. Like you mentioned earlier, I mean, there, you struggled to find a 5k back when you not, first got started. What was, you know, not what struggled. Was like? I didn't struggle to find a K. I never heard of one. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, so, so in the, I'll say early days. So I'll say late seventies, early eighties. Um, it was the years right after Frank Shorter. Mm, okay. So America had just made its mark with our first brand. Oh gosh. And I forget the other guy, shorter and two well-known marathoners. Uh, and Rogers, then Jim Salazar, Rogers, Rogers. Rogers. Okay. Yeah. So it was, the, it was the days of Rogers and shorter and Salazar. Um, and so, that, you know, they were, and they were becoming known. Prefontaine was a middle distance runner in Oregon, but for, and remember Prefontaine is the first time they actually made real running shoes. You know, right. Nike Prefontaine's coach Oregon made them out of his wife's waffle maker. So, you know, most of us started running in Keds. I remember Pro Keds were the Ked version of running shoes. Uh, it was not uncommon for people to be running in Chuck Taylors, like in the Rocky film. Right. And so there were not tech clothes. Like most of us would wear in the winter, we'd wear like a cotton sweatshirt, like find at Walmart or Kmart or something. And uh, typical gym shorts, I would say the races tended to be a lot smaller. And 
uh, much less formal, much less swag. I don't even know if we started getting shirts. I guess right. maybe when I was five or six years into it, we started getting shirts, all cotton shirts. You know, and then, you know, like today, there were really fast people and slow people and mid-pack people. I remember in those days, I used to, um, I was running half marathons in about just under an hour and a half, like an hour, 27, 28, where my half, was my half marathon time. And I would typically, for years, always be right at about the 80th percentile. Like if there were 100 people in a race, I'd finish 20th. If there were 1,000, I'd finish 200. And that went for years. And I would consider myself a mid-pack runner. I'm not like speedy. I wasn't a college runner. So it was just a, a social thing. And that's also where I got introduced to the uh, obvious connection of running workouts and beer. You know, people would go for a run. <laughs> and so I remember meeting with the boardwalk runners on their Wednesday night workouts and, you know, they'd go have pizza and beer afterwards. So it was kind of casual, smaller races, fewer, far between. I don't think I ever heard of an ultra marathon back then. I, and, and actually the things I like to run on now, like mountain trails, I would have assumed that you don't run on because you're going to twist your ankles or fall or die or something. Right. Like in it's running was for streets and the boardwalk and tracks. And, you know, that was my initial world. And then it just sort of began to evolve. Well, and, and, and again, I mean, that's, that's ultimately kind of how it happens because I don't, I don't know that too many people and then sure there's probably some, but like too many people that get into, to, you know, the, the couch to 5k program or whatever that, that know about mountain running and trail running and ultra running and, and things like that. Like you, you start where you start and you kind of build it on it as you go. And, um, sounds like the, the social dynamic was played, a, played an important part for you as well. Just having that, that connection, that, that community to be around, even when it wasn't maybe as, uh, feels like it's everywhere probably because of social media these days, but like, like having that, that small in-person group, the, the, the boardwalk runners, like, was that a pretty important part for you? Oh yeah. 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 That, that was an important part. And then even later in my life, it's fast forward to, uh, I'll just happen to throw a date out because it's a critical one. I, I took a year out on my career. I was a school district superintendent by career, took a year out and went to Costa Rica and volunteered running a small bilingual school, moved back to a different city, moved to Philadelphia instead of Southern Jersey. And I, I ran into a group called the South Philly Striders. And that became the center of my friendship and social life for a decade, or more than a decade, um, until I retired again and went to work at a college. So yeah, I think the social component has been fabulous. There's actually a group here in Philadelphia that I know, and a lot of people in it are friends of mine. I'm not active in this group. Um, called Fishtown Beer Runners, which has become a huge, huge running community in Philadelphia. And several of my personal friends actually met their partners and spouses and have married. I think we have something like 10 FBR weddings and probably six children by now. So, yeah, I think for many people, it becomes a socially uh, cohesive group. It's, I mean, think about it. It's people who share your values, mm -hmm. people who probably share elements of your lifestyle, people who, who value some of the same things as you do, people who do the same kinds of things on Saturday morning. So I think it's pretty normal that we'd find our social connections in the running community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, with, with those social connections, Lord knows we've had this conversation with folks before where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and then you got a friend that, that says, oh, yeah, let's run this race together and that race together. And pretty soon, like like we said, you look back and go, wow, you know, that's that's how we got to here. Yeah. Um, as, as you started, you know, getting into the longer distance races, the marathons, the ultras, et cetera, was, was it a, was it a 
peer pressure type of thing for you, or were you the one doing the peer pressuring of, of the, the folks in your running community? So at first, neither. At first, it was very much a solo venture. Okay. I, you know, I've always been kind of a the person who likes to set high goals and go after them. Like, you know, I, I do that. Like, I started bicycling, and I bicycle across the U.S., I start going to graduate school and end up with four graduate degrees. It's just something that I do. Like I'm sort of driven that way. So I started running and after basically the first year or two is basically just sort of, you know, getting my feet in the ground and feeling good physically and emotionally. And I started thinking, oh, I should do a goal in running. So I came up with the idea of running a marathon. And so my first one, I trained solo the whole time, ran it solo. Um, and I just did it because I like, – and I think probably you have heard this story and probably all of your listeners who run a marathon can relate to this story. Like I just want to run one. I just want to do the distance one to say I did it. And so that was my goal. I did it, and I got to about mile 19 and hit the proverbial wall and um, hobbled to a finish. I remember my first marathon was 401, and at about mile 21, I promised myself – and as soon as I finished, I would throw out, throw out my running shoes and never do it again. I was just absolute promise myself. I'm done. And I got done. And about three hours later, I was looking for the next one. So it was totally solo, totally solo. And then for the next several years, I was connected with this boardwalk runners group. And I would say over the next 10 years, I typically ran one marathon a year, maybe two. I remember a couple of times I'd run a spring one and a fall one and think, boy, that's an awful lot. It kind of beats me up. Shouldn't do that much. But usually one or two a year for it was 10 12 years and that you know then it became part of a social group didn't usually travel to marathons with people back then we would train together sometimes if we ran a local one we'd all show up together which was kind of fun mm -hmm. the ones i traveled for i typically went alone but um that all changed um and then the, you know the next phase was very social what what was it that spurred the change well so um, I don't mean to sound terribly dramatic, but I'll, I'll tell you the story, and uh, maybe people can relate to it, and maybe it's a, a bit overly heavy, but I don't want it to feel that way. So in, in 1996, my son died. Um, I had three children, two, two girls and a boy, and my son died at uh, 20 years old, and that obviously took it out of me, just, just eviscerated me emotionally. And I remember... I was training for a marathon that was going to be about a month later. And I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. And so for the next three or four years, I really struggled and I ran every day, but I ran in a fog. You know, I just sort of ran along and it, was, it just kept me basically alive, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I decided uh, that I was going to leave a job and backpack the Appalachian Trail. And that had been something that I wanted with my father and he passed away and my son and I talked to do, about doing it. When he got out of college, and he passed away, so I thought, I'll wait till I retire. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a year off and do it. So to get ready for that, I trained for a marathon. And it was that training for a marathon that sort of broke me out of that uh, complete emotional funk, which you can understand what happened when one loses a child. But it, but it broke me out of it. Okay, so then, and this is, this is going to answer your question. And then I left and I backpacked the Appalachian Trail. And I always loved the woods, but I fell in love with the woods in a new way because it, it healed my soul. You know, being in the wilderness just was healing and trails. And there were days when I would put my pack down and think, I'm just going to run a little bit, see how that feels. Just fooling around, you know. And then midway through, I swapped out to Ultra Lake gear and got out of 
hiking boots and into trail runners. And so the second half, I just do these little jogs here and there. All right. I come back from that. This is now the year 2000 to a job in a school district. And um, it took me about six months to be able to run because my knees were so beat up. And then I found a group of trail runners and I just went to this run one morning. So these are, these are guys who are now probably some of my best friends for the last 20 years. At the time, I knew no one. I showed up, I go for this run. And so I said to one of the guys, um, so what do you guys normally do for your long runs? And he said, well, you know, usually Saturday or Sunday we'll run between 15 and 19 until it gets to be marathon season. And then we just run events every month. Now, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I thought, they're crazy. There is no such thing as marathon season. Like, it's like you train for a marathon. But it just changed. Something about it changed. And then being around that dynamic and around this group of guys who are, you know, largely younger than I am, but a couple of them close to my age. And that was uh, in 2000. Like my, my mentality changed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started doing multiple long distance events every quote season. And that led to longer events. And so that social dynamic of people who jet for whom it was just natural to do long runs. Um, so that was one of the big shifts for me. That's a long story about, you know, personal tragedy and how I came really honestly to be healed mm-hmm. by the, the outdoors and by movement. Yeah. Movement is medicine. You know, for physical things, for mental things, for emotional things, movement is medicine. And moving in the wilderness for six months shifted into long runs. And then that met, led to meeting some people for whom that was just lifestyle. Well, thank you for sharing that. Obviously, it's, you know, anybody who is a parent uh, can can only imagine how tough that whole process and, and how long, obviously, the healing process and, and I'm sure it's still going, you know, still grieving, still still a difficult, uh, you know, part of, of life to, to, you know, to continue to work work through. And, and just again, thank you for, for sharing that. And um, yeah, you know, getting out, getting moving is, is I totally agree. It, it, that is medicine and um, something that uh I know I've said before a few times on the show and, and I uh, kind of feel like maybe this is something that, that kind of relates with, with how you feel as well. But like, um, you know, part of, of, you know, my, my long-term plan for my, my life and my health is to continue to keep running, you know, and, and kind of jokingly say like, I want to keep running until they, until they put me in the ground. Um, but also kind of serious. Like I want to keep running until, until like it's all said and done. Um, and, and clearly that's something that, that's, that's quite important to you and, and something that, that you're still active with. And, you know, you talk about big goals, running, riding the bike across the United States, which may or, we may or may not circle back to you. I mean, that's, there's gotta be a story there as well. Um, <laughs> but this idea of a hundred marathons or ultras by the time you, you hit 70, which is, which is fast approaching. Um, where did, where did that idea come from? And, and, and when did that start to take place? Is that something that's been in the works for a while or, or a little no. more recently? No, not really. So a number of years ago, there was an article about me in uh, Philadelphia publication when I ran the Philadelphia Marathon, and it happened to be, uh, it was going to be my 50th when I turned 50, mm. but it, it didn't work out. It ended up being my 52nd because I, the week before I went and did something else. <laughs> but anyhow, anyhow, so it never really stuck. It was just like, eh, you know. And I never really had that goal. And then, you know, I, I uh, had my first ever running injury when I was 62. I was running down a mountain in an ultra in uh, Arizona and sort of slipped on a rock and tore a meniscus. 
And that kind of took me out for a couple of years. I, I repaired and I was started, I started jogging in a month, but I just couldn't get myself to do the distance. And, um, and then a number of years later, I did. And so I realized, heck, I'm at 84. So, you know, then, then the pandemic hit and um, there were no events. So one of my friends said, well, you know, why don't we just run one of these virtual ones? So we did. And I never, quote unquote, counted them. Like it had to be like a real registered for event for me to count. And then I went, well, why the heck not? You know, if I create my own fat ass events during the pandemic and I clock it and I have, you know, Strava or my phone to prove I covered the distance, I'm just going to count them. So I did three. I did uh, one with a buddy here in Philadelphia, Wissahickon, that was actually the virtual event of what would have been a trail marathon. And then I just made up my own. I called it the Philadelphia uh was it creeks and rivers? So I just followed creeks and rivers through the whole Philadelphia community and, and got 27 miles in. And then the next one was up in the Berkshires on the Appalachian Trail. So then about just over a year ago, I was running along with one of my friends. And my, my friends tend to be oh, 30-ish years younger than I am. And we're jogging along. And he goes, you know, you only have 16 more and you're going to be at 100. And I said, hey, you know what? You're really right about that. And so – didn't really focus on it until last summer. Um, another one of the same crowd, young guy, he's sort of chasing my number. He's turning, he just turned 40 and he just did his 50th last week. And so we sort of joke about him chasing me. But anyhow, he said, you know, if you just do one a month, you got it. Hmm. So I thought, you know what, you're right. So this goal really came to shape about a year ago, not a year ago, um, last summer. Gotcha. No, I'm not going to make it. Apparently, so so I had some travel. I'm not complaining about this. I did a week long kayaking and camping trip um, over the winter season, and then I was in a race in the, in, the, in Florida, and we had that massive snowstorm. We shut that down, so I've actually missed a couple. So I'm going to miss my birthday by a month or two, but I'll get it done. You know, I, f- I feel like at that point it's it's you know ish right by by your seventieth birthday ish you'll get to ish yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's good enough you know yeah but before before next winter falls you know right um I have options I naturally I have a chart and logs and a countdown in front of me and I have several different options um, which could have me finishing around my birthday if I do two month or at the latest end of October mm-hmm. I turn seventy in August. So it'll get done. It'll get done. It'll get done. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, it's, 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 I feel like a hundred marathon or ultra distance runs. Like that's, that's pretty, you know, I mean, that's just, that's, that's an impressive number anyway. Um, but you know, I, I, I feel like there's something in there, uh, about, you know, like it hasn't like this hasn't been a, a super long term plan as far as like strategically working away and chipping away and knocking out three per year or five per year or whatever. No, and, and no, no, this no. long term term thing. Um, but but I guess maybe where the where the question comes or, or and I know this was something that you'd kind of talked to, or had mentioned to me that you would love to talk about. And I certainly would love to get in there is, is you know, talking about some of these types of, of goals and being active as we get older, because, you know, I, I get, I get questions every once in a while for, for, you know, what are some tips for, for folks in their fifties, sixties, even seventies to, to continue being active. And quite frankly, I'm not quite there yet. Like I, <laughs> I just turned 40. So I, I can't quite ask, answer those questions from, from personal perspective, but um, I guess to kind of lead into that, that phase of, of the conversation, I'd just be curious to, to hear from your perspective, you know, how has running 
changed for you or, or, or has it changed for you over the, over the decades in terms of yeah, things you do to yeah. stay healthy? Like you said, you basically yeah. only one injury, which that kind of, if, if I'm hearing it correctly, kind of a fluke injury anyway. Like it wasn't like some overuse thing or, or whatever, like yeah. a slip and a twist, like that can happen to anybody. But how has, how has running kind of changed for you? Or again, we'll, yeah. we'll start at general and, and pare it down as we go. Yeah, no, that's great. Great. I love talking about this because I have really strong feelings about it. But let me make one quick correction. Um, after that one meniscus tear, I had it repaired. Three years later, I went in some little local 5K thing and won it. And then my ego got the best of me. Mm. And I started doing speed work and tore the other meniscus. Oh, no. So I had to have that one repaired. But that time I was running in a month and doing a, a marathon six months later. So I have had two injuries. Okay. And, and in 37 years of running competitively, I've had two injuries. And really, a meniscus tear running down a mountain is pretty normal stuff. And if I've had two meniscus injuries in 37 years of running at 70 years old, I'll buy it. You know, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, to answer your question, I feel so, – so first of all, a lot of my friends used to joke with me about being a, uh, a genetic anomaly because they would all get injured. Like I had so many of my running friends – who are, you know, who were 25, 30, 40 years younger than I am, injured, torn ligaments, uh, twisted ankles, just all kinds of stuff, knee pain. I think part of the answer to your question is keep it fun. Mm. I think when people are really competitive runners, and it's wonderful that people are, and it's wonderful that people are pushing themselves and accomplishing goals, I think there's an inverse relationship between that kind of a heavy training and competition and injury freeness. Mm-hmm. Like I, and that, that's not really a word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think that like, as, as it becomes more competitive and people get, in my mind, overly serious, I think they run greater risk of injury. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a critical component of it is staying fun. Um, and I think that means, and I have done lots of speed work in my life. I've done lots of hill work. But for me, at this point in my life, because I want to keep running until I'm in the ground also. In fact, maybe I'd like to even die doing a mountain run, you know, at 100. <laughs> Not a bad That'd way be, to go out if you could write your own is, script, you know. You know, like Caballo Blanco, you mm-hmm. know, the famous runner from Mexico died on a run next to a creek, okay? If I can write my script, I'll, I'll buy that. But the fact is... For me, a big part of staying injury-free is is keeping it fun. And, you know, like in um, – there's a, a story in Buddhism about the bow. And you want to keep the bow strung tight enough that it shoots an arrow, but you don't want to string it so tightly it breaks. Mm. It's, that, it's that balance of effort and ease. And I think that's what we need in our athletic lives. Now, that's not true of Olympic athletes. You know, they're just all effort. Um, or a professional athlete, it's all effort. But for the vast majority of us who want to be active, whether it's marathons or 5Ks or taking your dog for a walk, it's that balance between pushing and knowing when to ease off. And I think too many of my running friends push and end up hurt. And honestly, I, I end up beating a lot of them, you know, because they're struggling. So I think that's part of it. I think another part of it is to, um, and this is an overused word, but cross train. Mm-hmm. For me, that's um, I do yoga every day. It's because yoga counteracts. I actually wrote a little piece on 
the using yoga and distance running as complementary activities because one tends to keep you looser and injury free and the other give you cardiovascular strength. Right. So part of it for me is finding the right balance of, of cross training. Um, yeah, I would say those things, effort and ease, fun and the right kinds of cross training. Yeah. Were you always able to, to, I mean, cause like you said, and again, if I'm hearing correctly, and if I'm not, please correct me. Um, but relatively injury-free, certainly through the first 25, 30 years of, of your running career, um, which which I guess then to me begs the question, were you able to strike that balance of of pushing but having fun early, or did you, did you kind of do it by accident, or kind of, you know, do you understand where I'm going with the question? Yeah, 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 I do, and it's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I wish I could remember. <laughs> I, I think I always had fun. I, I do think I, I did a lot of pushing early. I think early on, you know, I was doing, like I, I got um, different training manuals, and I used to have, like I used to have like actual calendars and I'm going to make sure I run 15 this Saturday and two weeks later, 17 and 19, another 19, 21 back off to 17 and have it all worked out and speed work on Tuesdays. So I used to do that. And I guess I just got lucky, you know, maybe I just have lucky genetic background, but I, I, I didn't get injured. Um, I did get plantar fasciitis twice. Mm-hmm. And so the one year I just took a month off and I rode, a hundred thousand meters in a running machine in my house instead of running for a month. And then it was fine. So I, th- I think, I think that I, maybe I was just lucky, but I think as soon as I discovered that formula of like fun effort knees and like meaningful cross training, that's also fun. I think that formula worked for me. And so when I talk to other people who are transitioning from their very competitive years into senior running, all oh, masters is 40. You just hit the master's level, right? So like when I talk to master's r- runners who aren't there to win necessarily, but I can tell you this, if you just keep at it, you'll start winning because right. you know, there's not very many 70-year-olds in the average 50K. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you get the win eventually. But, um, but I think my, my, my advice is to find that place where it's pleasurable and fun and where you can push enough to keep yourself moving and push little enough to not get hurt. Does it make any sense? I guess, I guess no, that's yeah, my, it, uh, it, it totally does. And, and um, you know, I, I think that, that, again, another question that I've gotten from folks, and, and quite frankly, a question that I kind of have for myself that, that I don't know that there's any way of knowing for sure for each person until you kind of get there yourself. But, like, you talk about the competitiveness and maybe shifting a little bit from your most competitive days to, you know, finding other, you know, whether it's fun or just other metrics of, of success. Um, and, and I'm curious about kind of some of that, that self competitiveness, if that's a, a yeah. word or a phrase uh, that so many of us have, we're like, I'm not out to win a race. Like I, I you know, it's just probably not going to happen, but you know, I'm always chasing myself. I'm always pushing myself, whether it's for PRs or for new distances yep. or whatever. Yep. And, and I have to imagine that as you've gotten older, like some of the times that you were running in your thirties and your forties, you're probably not really getting close to those now. Um, was, was that at all a tough pill to swallow at various points yes. when it's like yes. you're doing all the work, yes. but you're still getting slower. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. It is a tough pill. In fact, I think about that regularly and, um, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't like the fact, I don't like the fact I'm getting slower and I'll tell you where I feel the most is on uphill you know, whether it's running, bicycling, or hiking. Um, a number of years ago, I went down and did a 44-miler 
in the Virginia Highlands with uh, two friends. Um, both one was one is thirty two years younger, and uh, his then girlfriend was probably three years younger than that. And we were running together until about mile eighteen, where we hit this like really high climb. And I thought, oh, I just can't keep up. You guys go. I'll meet you at the end. So I did. And then I was telling myself, well, heck, I'm thirty five years older. It's okay. And then I said, okay, I can either make excuses or work harder. So I'm gonna start working harder. And that didn't work out so well. You know, like you're not you're not going to reverse it. So yes, it is it is tougher. It is tougher. It's 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 hard to realize you're not going to have the same times you used to. Um, and then you find other things to be proud of, like the fact that you're there. You know, I'm here. I'm doing it. And um, funny story was a couple months ago, I went out to Arizona and I ran the Pemberton Trail 50k. I had a good day. I had a really good day. And when I finished, I finished it in 5.52, and I realized I'd run it three times before. And so I just, for the heck of it, got an ultra sign up and looked back at my previous times. And 10 years before, I did it in 6.14, and the year before that, in 6.02. So I actually had my fastest time on that course, and my fastest 50K in 10 years. Hmm. Happened to be a good day. You know? Got lucky. But well, generally, generally, it is a struggle, and and I agree with you. Like, it's not about beating everybody. Although, heck, that feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't, I can't lie and say that I don't like every so often check my ultra signups and see what percentage I am, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because my age group percentage keeps getting up there, mm-hmm. but my main my main standards keep going down. You know, so I might be ninety <laughs> percent of my age group and sixty four an ultra signup. That's frustrating, but you get it. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have to laugh at it. Well, and and. You know, I, 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 I guess maybe going back to that, th- those, that improvement in the Arizona race, it, it, you know, of running your fastest time a decade, a decade later, um, you know, with, with age comes wisdom, right? Like how, how much of that improvement or is it, was that improvement just potentially experience knowing your body better, things like that being, you know, just the, the, the overall training for, you know, over the last, you know, 40 years. Um, or, or was there something else maybe that, you know, just a perfect day and, and conditions and all that type of stuff that might've led to that, you know, 20 minute improvement from a decade previous? Yeah, I think, I think part of it was, it was a great day. You know, it was perfect weather for me. Um, I like to run warm. Like I like sun and warm. I'd rather run a marathon at 72 than, than 52. Mm-hmm. Um, so partly it was just a great day. Um, partly I think your body knows what to do. Like even when I'm not really trained and I show up at a race, like my body knows what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just done enough, you know. So that's part of it. Part of it might have a little bit to do with wisdom, knowing to walk hills early, mm-hmm. so you can run faster later. Like you know, sort of controlling the ego early on, and so so you let a few people pass you, going up a hill, and then you realize that 20 miles from now, it'll be a different story. Right. So I think part of it's wisdom, part of it's experience, part of it's beautiful day, part of it's luck. Which is, I mean, you know, that's that's the concoction for all of us at, at every race, yep. no matter where we are in, in our life and experience and whatnot at all. That those are all the factors that go into play. And you know, if you get lucky, the dice the dice all come up the right the right number, and uh, you know, you have a good day. And and you know, when they don't, yeah, well, you know, you don't, yeah, you get through it, right, you get through it. right. Um, shifting slightly before we yeah. wrap up for today, but talking about you know, you mentioned yoga as as a regular part of of your routine and a, a daily yoga practice. When did when did that come into the mix for you? So I actually um, started yoga for the first time in 1997. I had that's the summer I rode my bicycle across the country, and 
one of my friends said, hey, after beating your body up like that, you'll try yoga. So I went to Mexico and did an immersion for a week. And I would say I was practicing inconsistently for the next, oh, I don't know, 20 years or so. Some, some years really consistent. And then depending on my job or where I happen to live, less consistent. And then about the time I retired, um, I've retired actually three times. It doesn't really seem to work real well. But, um, and I am back to work now at a university part-time. But anyhow, I uh, started, when I came back to Philadelphia after retiring, I started going every day. And then I did yoga teacher training. And then I sort of got the bug, and I do nothing halfway. So that led to an advanced teacher training, and now I, I teach yoga. Mm. And I love it. In fact, actually, our summer series, we, we do a series in the parks in Philadelphia, like a free series working on accessibility and yoga for every body type and every body. So we're hoping for a very diverse group here. And so that starts tonight, and that'll be Tuesday nights from now to the end of September. So I really enjoy that, and it's a way of connecting with the community and and serving uh, people. Fantastic. For those that, that might be in the, the greater Philadelphia area, where can people find out more about, about those classes? So there's, there's, I, I volunteer with two nonprofits. One is called yoga for Philly yoga, the number four Philly. And the other is called roots. The number two rise. Both are nonprofit. Both are very diverse. Both have non-white leadership and both are focused on accessibility and, um, openness and inclusiveness. And I just love the mission of both. Mm. I would like to talk about one other thing that you mentioned early on. I'd like to circle around to what's next. And I'd just like to share some of my thoughts about after I finish this project. And I have three very divergent thoughts. One is, (laughs) one is to do a hundred mile next year. I haven't done a hundred mile yet. I've done 24 hour events, but the most I've actually run is 84 miles. I've done a number of 100Ks and number of 50-milers and probably of my 96 long events, probably 55 or 60 of them have been over marathon length. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about doing a 100-mile. Alternatively, um, I'm thinking about switching into sort of more middle-distance stuff and trying to find lots of trail half marathons or 25Ks. Mm. And... Partly I like that because they don't beat you up as much and you don't have to train as much and I can pretty much go out the door any day and run 25K. And it would kind of be fun to do something like maybe twice a month for a year. Mm-hmm. And the third divergent strand is um, I've done a few fast packing trips. Where I've taken very light, lightweight backpacking gear and done like longer runs over two or three days. And so I'm kind of wondering about things like running a 100-mile wilderness in Maine or running the Appalachian Trail in Shenandoah or the Arizona Trail, or, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not sure what it is, but I'm, I guarantee you, barring injury or, or illness, that it'll be some kind of crazy project like that. Right. Right. Wow, that's, that's awesome. And, and you know, like, I don't know, my, my neighbor across the street, who, which coincidentally, I think they're going back to Michigan today, they're snowbird, snowbird neighbors, but he's, he's 90, I think, or 91 or 89 or whatever. He's, 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 uh, the reason they come down because his wife doesn't want it anything, any part of, of Florida for any part of the year, but they come down because he likes to run and, uh, um, he doesn't want to run in the ice and snow of, of Michigan winters anymore. And, um, 
you know, he, he's he's slowed down and he's he's not doing as long a distances as he used to, but he's still out there just just about every single day or, you know, whatever his schedule is. You, you see him just about every morning. There's, there goes Bobby for his, his run. Um, and, and it's just, it's just so encouraging. And, and, um, you know, so many people in the neighborhood, you know, cause there's, there's a, it's Florida. So there's a lot of folks that are retired that live down here. It is, mm-hmm. it is. uh, but so many of them are like, Bobby, what are you, what are you doing? Like you're, 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 you know, you know, beat yourself up or wear yourself out or, or whatever, like just, <laughs> just slow down. Um, and then his, his constant retort is the reason I'm still alive and kicking is because I'm out running so regularly and I take care of yep. my body and, and, um, it just sounds like, you know, it almost sounds like I'm talking to him from 20 years ago with talking to you of just like, you know, I don't know exactly what the future is going to hold, but it's going to be something and it's going to be big. And I'm looking forward to, to whatever it brings and just keep on keeping on because, you know, like continuing to move and, and, you know, age is a number unless you, you know, especially as long as you keep moving and keep going and, you know, yep. just, just yep. keep, keep, keep on keeping on. And you know, I actually love, I've loved going down to Florida for some races. There's a, a group uh, in around Tampa puts on a wonderful trail series that uh, I've gone down to a couple times, and I'm already registered for a race in, uh, outside of Tampa next January. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, certainly looking looking forward to, to continuing to, to follow along and stay in touch and, and see what happens beyond the, the 100th. Um, because no doubt it's it's going to be uh, like you said whichever whichever those divergent directions you go uh, it's it's going to be exciting to see and play along and you know just kind of throw in the face of all the folks that are like oh you know I'm I'm too old for this I'm too old for that and they're fifty you know it's like eh, you know yeah, that's that's my message you know if there's one reason why I'm happy to be on this podcast it's to reach people your age and up and to say hey gang like there's no reason for it to slow down or, or be over it might run slower mm-hmm. but let's just keep it up let's have this whole new perception of what age is and isn't you know and yeah let's just keep going and stay healthy and you know just enjoy enjoy this wonderful thing we have that we're blessed with called life yeah absolutely so as we're as we're wrapping up lauren i I usually wrap up with something i call a philosophical question which which relatively open-ended kind of like that introductory question you kind of take it and run with it wherever wherever you want to go but i'm gonna i'm gonna change the the formula a little bit today if you're if you'll humor me with it um, and kind of along the lines of what of what you just said of, of encouraging folks to to kind of you know embrace it and take advantage of the time we have and and you know the, the abilities that our bodies possess and uh, whether you're talking to me whether you're talking to other folks listening but I would I would just kind of ask you know kind of or give you the, the microphone and, and open the floor for the, for the last few minutes or however long you want to you want to talk um, but just you know things that maybe um, you know with with you as approaching 70 and me 30 years 30 years your junior just turned 40. Um, or again, anybody that's kind of in this ballpark of just words of wisdom, words of advice for, for, you know, so often it's like, and it kind of touched on this earlier, like, oh, my fastest days might be behind me and you get discouraged and, and, and maybe you don't want to keep on keeping on or whatever. not that that's me, but like, it's, it's easy to see how that can happen to folks. Um, so I guess, like I said, my, my philosophical question for you is to just, you know, what would you say to, to those that are 20, 30 years younger than you and, and, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe struggling with the changes of, of our bodies as we get older or not running our fastest times and, and just kind of. Um, let you just share a message with with myself and lots of folks that are that are listening that are a lot like me or in the same kind of age range age range as I am. Oh, great! Thanks for the opportunity. And it's dangerous to allow someone with a whole <laughs> lot of degrees in philosophy to talk. You know, okay, I could take the next couple of days to talk about that. But I'll, I'll summarize just a couple of points. Like, and this is what I tell my kids who are your age or a little bit older, actually. There's only a few things in life that really matter, right? Like most of the stuff that we think matters doesn't matter. 
So one of my little truisms is most problems that we think are problems are Visa card problems. There are things we can solve with a Visa card. They're not problems. Mm -hmm. The real things that matter, and I know this sounds like a truism, but the real things that matter are health, vitality, and love. You know, and so it's it's finding, I'll go in backward in reverse order, the things and people that we love, and nourishing those relationships. Uh, I just put a thing on my Facebook post the other day. It says, "Whoever said you can't buy happiness never paid an adoption fee for an animal." You know, like I have a dog that I love, and whenever I have a down day, my there's a trail in New Jersey called the Mullet River Trail. It's in the Wharton State Forest. And there's a nine mile loop that ends at a campsite with water and a creek. So whenever I feel down, I take this being, this animal that I really love, and we go out there and we run the woods together. And he is off his leash, he's having fun. I'm watching him smile. We do our four miles out, and I always carry two uh, freeze dried rabbit patties and a power bar. So he gets the rabbit patties, I get the power bar usually. <laughs> go for a swim and run back. And that, that doing something I love in a place that I love with a, with a, a, a sentient being that I love and we're both having fun, that has become my magic pill for a bad day. So it's, it's people and your partners, your children, parents, grandparents, people we love, nurturing those relationships and even with our, our pets. So that's one. And, and places we love and things we love to do. And for me, that happens to be running in the woods and yoga. But it's finding those things, uh, people, things, places that we love. The second thing I would say that matters in addition to love is health and vitality. And so do the things that nurture our physical health. And as I said earlier, I really believe that movement is medicine. So it's, it's movement, it's staying active, whether it's your 91-year-old friend or a friend of mine who's recently recovered from cancer surgery who's back to walking a mile a day. It's, it's, it's nourishing our physical health. And a third thing I would say is it's finding whatever it is that nourishes our inner life. And so maybe for some people that's meditation, maybe it's running, maybe it's church, maybe it's you know reading books that are uplifting. But But... I think if I could give advice to people, it's prioritize love in our lives, prioritize physical health and vitality, prioritize our inner life. Um, so I guess if I have to limit myself to a short answer, that's it. <laughs> well, that's, uh, as often the case, a great way to wrap things up and, and a good thought to leave people with. So I'll try not to get in the way and, and mess that up any more than I already have. Uh, Y'all, uh, if you want to connect with, with Lauren and continue to follow along with his journey towards his 100 uh, marathons and ultras and, and whatever the next phase is, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn are great places to find him. Again, Lauren Thomas is, is his name, and uh, we'll have it all linked up because, you know, the links are ugly. Uh, but we'll have it all linked up easy for you at disruns.com slash 1064. So you can just click over to either place, connect with him, uh, and follow along and see what's next for him. And, and Lauren, I, I just... Uh, I mean, I can't say it enough how, how much I appreciate you reaching out and just telling me a little bit about yourself and saying, I don't know if you think this might be worth talking about or not. And me going, absolutely. And, and so glad we were able to make the time today and um, happy early birthday. Happy congratulations on, on a hundred. 
and uh, good Lord willing, many, many more miles in whatever form and, and fashion that, that looks like uh, going, be, going beyond uh, the, the 100 marathons and ultras. But again, thank you for the time today. And maybe if, you, if you're willing, somewhere down the road, we can saddle up and do this again because I know I could talk to you all day and I feel like people could probably uh, enjoy listening to your stories all day. So uh, hopefully we can do this again. But until then, be well and, and thanks again for the time today. No, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation and I really appreciate your newsletter. I am a faithful reader, so thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again. It's been, it's been great. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Lauren and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was, what was that little takeaway from our little chit chat today? Um, for me, oh man, there were, there were dozens today. I mean, pretty much the whole episode was a takeaway if I may be so bold, but you know, I'll play by my own rules. I'll come up with, with a specific takeaway for today. And, uh, it's probably not the first time that this has been a takeaway. Probably won't be the last time it's, it's going to be a takeaway. Cause I think it's important. It's important for me to remind myself of this. Maybe it's important for you to, to hear it once in a while as well. Not for me, but from the folks that are, come on the show and share their story and it's uh, the importance of making sure that, that running stays fun. And, you know, I mean, fun, as it relates to our run or shoot, as it relates to most anything in life, can take on multiple forms, right? Fun can be being serious, competing hard, racing to, to win, whether it's to win your age group, whether it's to win the race overall. I mean, that, that in and of itself can be fun. I enjoy doing that from time to time. But... I think, and especially, you know, with, with Lauren and, and, you know, kind of his story. And, and we talked about as he got, as he gets older, you know, as we all get older, hopefully good Lord willing, you know, getting older beats the alternative, right? As, as we get older, sometimes that pushing hard can lead to breaking down injuries. Uh, and sometimes if, especially if we're, if we're challenging for wins and we're, we're, we're judging our fun quotient on running based on the times on the clock and they keep getting slower even though we're still putting in all the work, doing the workouts, trying to push ourselves on race, we're working just as hard as ever, but we're getting slower, that can sap some of the fun out of the sport. And Lord knows, I've said it before, I said it on this episode, you know, with my goal being to continue to run until they pretty well put me in the ground, it's not just the act of running that I want to be continuing to do, but I want to continue to enjoy it. So always making sure to find ways to, to make running fun. And that can be, you know, what, again, whatever it is for you, it could be the competition side of things on occasion. It could be the chance to get out and run solo and just clear your mind. And maybe it's listening to a podcast or a book or music. Maybe it's just listening to the sounds of nature and clearing your, you know, letting your thoughts run wild and clearing your head a bit. Um, maybe it's running with others. Maybe it's traveling and running in different locations. Maybe it's all of the above. But just continuing to make sure that that we enjoy this, you know, and and sometimes I'll I'll admit, you know, I I may have moments where I do get a little bit more preoccupied on the pace or on the efforts or on the the race times, and that can it can it's fun to a point, but then it comes down the other side of the hill, and you know I get I get upset I get frustrated I get angry that. My work isn't, doesn't seem to be paying off. And guess what? When I'm in that position, it's not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun. And so, you know, if this is, again, if just for me, the, the reminder of making sure that running stays fun. Like, I want to do this for another, you know, whatever it is, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years to be pushing it. But hey, you know what? If, if, if I'm healthy and fit and still, uh, you know, 
taking in breaths 60 years from now, by God, you better believe I want to be out there running too, right? Maybe it'll be more of a shuffle. Maybe it'll be just walking at that point. Who cares? I'm still going to call it running. At 100, I'm still going to call it running, period. But uh, it's got to stay fun. It's got to stay fun. Because if it's not fun, let's not kid ourselves. Life's, life is too short to be doing something that we don't enjoy, especially as often as we do this thing called running. So make it fun, y'all. That's that's my reminder to you, which is also not so subtly a key reminder to me. Make it fun. Keep it fun. Prioritize it being fun. Everything else then kind of has a way of taking care of itself, right? That's my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? If you're willing to share it, as always, I would love to hear it. You can find me at DizRuns on Twitter, at DizRuns on Instagram. You can always shoot me a message there, tag me in a post, whatever works for you. Sharing your takeaways. I love hearing those, hearing that, getting that interaction on the social medias. You can also shoot me an email, of course, at DizRuns.com. It's not at DizRuns.com. That's the website. You can't shoot an email to the website, although from the website, you can send an email, but whatever. Let's, let's not worry about semantics here, Diz. The email address, you probably know it by now, but in case you forgot, DizRuns at gmail.com. You can also, also head over to the show notes for today. Photos, links, the whole nine, disruns.com slash 1064, disruns.com slash 1064. Uh, and then down there at the, at the bottom of the page is that comment section. You can feel free to type away to your little heart's desire, sharing whatever takeaways, nuggets, pearls of wisdom that you got from Lauren today. Um, so yeah, if you want to share it, I'd love to hear it. One last call for the giveaway. Not that it's the last call. I'll give them more calls for the giveaway, but it's the last call for the giveaway today. And I'll be doing, I'll be picking a winner at the at the beginning of next month, just like I do at the beginning of every month. So if you're listening to this when the episode comes out in July, cool, I'm picking one in August. If you're listening to this somewhere in August, cool, I'm picking one in September. You know, next April, I'll be picking one in May. It happens every month. The odds are never as good as they are right now. So get your name in the hat, be in it to win it. Dizruns.com slash giveaway. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, y'all. I uh, hope it was it was worth your time and attention today. I like to think this one. I like to think all of them are kind of worth your time and attention. I feel like today, today might uh, might be doubly worth it because again, we're all getting older. And I think most of us want to keep doing this thing for a while. So let's let's learn from somebody who's uh, you know on his way to a hundred marathons or longer um, as he's touching seventy years old with no plans on shutting it down anytime soon. I mean. There's a role model for all of us, right? I want to be him when, he, when I grow up. I got a feeling maybe you might as well, or at least emulate. Maybe not be him, but emulate him, right? Anyway, if you like this episode, hit that share button. Let me know. Let Lauren know. Uh, but one way or another, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking us with you, with you today. And until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks one last time for listening. Why not? Why not make it like a perfect dozen times of thanking you for listening? Appreciate it. And until next time, y'all, take care. Take care.